Okay, episode 100 AMA Spectacular by us. I've heard of them. They're overrated. Yeah, they're all right. If I mean, I wish they were overrated. Well, yeah, actually. (laughs) I would greatly prefer that. That would Uh, be nice. Okay. Or even just rated, period. Should old acquaintance... No, I'll do it with my banjo. Uh, should <laughs> you nailed it. Should acquaintance be forgot and ever brought to mind? mind. Should old acquaintance be forgot in days of falling sand? Happy 100th the episode! We did it, Cameron. And I just spilled beer all over my computer. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! You d- this is like the second week in a row, you dumbass. <laughs> well, you know what I say. Live and don't learn. <laughs> Live and don't learn. Boom. Boom. Live Such a good wing learn. song. Luckily, I had Ooh. a, uh, a uh, pre-used uh, paper towel at, at hand to, uh, to mop up my leavings. Should we cover Wings someday? Have we talked oh, about that? Oh, that might be a good band Ooh. because they're not very fondly remembered from what I understand besides maybe a few singles. Um, yeah, and okay, so they they were responsible for Wonderful Christmas Time, right? No, I thought that was a sol- solo Paul McCartney joint. Oh, you might be right. What about Live and Let Die? Is that Wings or is that solo Paul, Paul McCartney? That's Wings. Okay. I mean, I don't maybe know to I'm what a, extent. Maybe like, I'm amazed. Oh, oh, that might be wings. I'm not sure. I'm no, I'm no expert. Um, that song is one of the best songs ever recorded, <laughs> or or maybe it's one of the best recordings of a song <laughs> ever. Hmm. I just think it's super. You good. like the recording? You like the production? I oh, like what is. happens in the recording. It is Paul McCartney. I'd be really interested in covering a uh, Paul McCartney post Beatles. Yeah, that could be really interesting. Uh, a la. Um, Steven Spielberg, The DreamWorks Years, uh, the blank check uh, miniseries. Yeah, we could talk about how he sold the entire Beatles rights catalog to Michael Jackson in the 80s. See, see, we got a bright future ahead of us. There's a lot of drama and tea. uh, So much tea. Yum, yum tea. Maybe we should talk about... Maybe we should talk about how we're what amazed. this show is. Do you yeah. want to give our so, log line? If this is your first episode, welcome. This is episode number 100. You've picked a nice round, round, very round number to start with. Two um, of the letters are the roundest letters. I mean numbers. Well, I don't know if they're <laughs> letters necessarily. <laughs> you know, it's it's a ones, it's L00, that famous number. My four-year-old son is rubbing off on me, I think, because... He very interchangeably uses uh, uses the words letter or number. Ah, you should yeah. teach him the word glyph because that could be either <laughs> okay, one. There you go. Yeah, then he doesn't even have to worry about which one is which. <laughs> Solve all your stupid problems. Why do you think of that? Well, in the future, uh, they're all just going to be using emojis on their smartphones. Yeah. This new generation. I don't know what's going to happen to them. They're all going to be face texting their Insta books. Yeah. 
and at each all other. The, all their problems are definitely going to be their fault and not our fault and the baby boomers' fault. And Generation X, don't forget them. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. It's your fault too, Gen X. And the not-so-greatest generation. Ha! Ha! I got him. <laughs> uh, so this is yeah, basically... Yeah, drag him. Yeah. This is basically what, the, what this show is. Just a bunch of random bullshit. Uh, like most podcasts, we have a, a loose, a loose uh, premise or theme, which is to explore artists that may be misunderstood, unrecognized, or dismissed. Not, not, not just to explore, but also to learn to appreciate. Uh, that's to, that's to, always the goal. Yeah, that's always the aspiration. It is, and I feel like we we to the mo- for the most part have um, given the artists the amount of appreciation they deserve. I don't want to I think so, toot too. our own horn too much, but we've covered so far uh, in order. You're you're Nathan Hunt. Oh, am I? Since wait, since you, when? Um, since before, uh, since before, <laughs> uh, God, uh, Jesus knew you in your mother's womb. Yeah, and uh, this yeah. is my co-host Cameron Dewitt, who teaches improv on a uh, nightly <laughs> basis at uh, UCB. He's very fast on his feet. <laughs> And he's, he's always good at yes ending with a very quick witty uh, joke. No, it's just that I'm always playing the ca- the character of a possum. <laughs> Wait, what? Are who you, just do you mean, freezes do you at mean, any Do you mean a possum a or possum. an a possum? <laughs> because apparently you're not supposed to pronounce the, the O part of a possum. So they just pronounce possum from what I understand. I don't know. Anyway, we have covered in order Garth Brooks, Insane Clown Posse, Alanis Morissette, Tallahassee Payne, otherwise known as T-Pain, ABBA, Smash Mouth, Slayer, My Chemical Romance, and Bob Marley and the Wailers. And we that had a little, right. uh, little bunch of extra episodes along the way to do a little one-offs and whatnot. Um, so welcome to our show. And uh, we're celebrating right now with our 100th episode. What are we doing for episode 100? Cammy. Well, we decided that all of all of our multitude of listeners might want to ask us questions. Yes. <laughs> so we decided to do an AMA slash uh, send us a song. We're we're gonna be the jukebox, and we're gonna review the the songs that you want us to review. Mm-hmm. And at, for our first AMA question uh, submitted to us by someone on the Discord. That's that's their username. It's not camera's not being coy and it's not an anonymous yeah, person someone no hmm. they're being coy well yeah oh and uh i think maybe one of us maybe it was me someone someone deleted the actual wording <laughs> of the question oh good job here notes. i think i have i think i have it saved how's that oh there it is yeah uh yeah what would you do without would me cameron i think you'd be dead <laughs> How did I think you, you want to just that? choke to death? <laughs> I don't know how I made it so long without you. <laughs> yeah, right? If you could uh, call that living. Yeah, which I mean. artists are you most pleased with having covered? And which artists do you regret covering? Please provide an extensive hierarchical list, including all seasons. Um, so before we get into the extensive hierarchical list, I just wanted to give my top three for most pleased with having covered and most regret having covered. So Great. most pleased, ICP, ABBA, and Bob Marley. Most oh, regret, Smash Mouth, ICP, and T-Pain. <laughs> you may notice that there's a little bit of overlap. <laughs> you know, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think yeah. I think uh, ICP gave us some of our highest highs and some of our lowest lows. You're absolutely right. Um, <laughs> okay, so I put uh, so my top three I put as Garf, 
ICP, and ABBA. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I put Garf up there because I just... He he was the inspiration for the show and for the format, which mm, is... That's a good point. Why do people... How can he be so unknown and so outside of my paradigm when everyone seems to know about him and he sold so many goddamn records? Yes. And I think he was... He, he was a great first subject for the whole uh, relationship with an artist where, where we make fun of him and love him. Yes, exactly. And I feel like we've always been trying to get back to that point. And ICP was actually a, a pretty close second. Mm-hmm. Um, I really appreciated about ICP uh, how how earnest they were so much of the time. Yeah. And how like kind of childlike they they almost always were mm-hmm. in in a very scary way yeah they're like in the way that in the way that children are really scary <laughs> yeah they're like they're like a couple terrifying like 12 year olds yeah yeah at the end of the day it's just like these are just a couple of boys yeah <laughs> just big, <laughs> and, big boys and at the end of the day boys are the worst and you you can't help but love them because they're just boys yeah there are a couple of boys that never went to men you <laughs> Two boys, two furious. Boys, boys from men. <laughs> there you go. Still boys. Um, yeah, men will be boys. You know what they say. Boys, not men. I've been actually saying men will be boys a lot when. Uh, that's people, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. When when people describe uh, men acting poorly. So those uh, are my top. Those are my top three. Yeah. Garf, ICP and ABBA. In my bottom three were. Uh, Right at the bottom is Smash Mouth. Yep, that's mine too. And then MCR. That's also my second to last. <laughs> they were just so absolutely uninspiring and just the biggest poetic bluff, I would say. Yeah. There's one album there that was pretty fun, but it was just like uh, just a, a real bummer. Yeah, not a lot and to work T- with. T-Pain is, is towards the bottom because he just... The whole chip on his shoulder thing was just too much to bear. Yeah, and he, that's he true. He wore it the worst, I think. That's a that's um, a great way of putting it. Yeah, he he like I, his first couple albums, like like we we see this arc with quite a few artists. Alanis was similar, um, who you're who you're getting yes. to, I believe. But they start off really strong and then they kind of like taper off. And I think it was really especially pronounced with T Pain. Um, what was really cool about T Pain though is that his last album fucking ruled. That is true. Like when we did our follow up, and I count that as part of that season. Like mm-hmm. that album is awesome. I feel like he made it after he was starting to feel good about himself again. And T Pain at his silliest and most lighthearted uh, is is definitely the best. Yes. And and I and I couldn't help you know we criticized him a fair amount for his the attitudes about women from the perspective of the characters that were narrating the songs. Right. Which he claimed were never autobiographical. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. Cause like he's from all accounts, you know, happily married and he's talking about like going to clubs and picking up women and stuff. Yeah. So. And like being cheated on cheating on women. And I mean, maybe some of that stuff's true, but it wasn't me. I, I <laughs> he should have done a cover of that. <laughs> I, I couldn't help but notice that him kind of at his like scariest and like kind of most violent and misogynistic was also in those albums where he had the biggest chip on his shoulder. Yeah. You know what I mean? He so it's like, like a little kind of lashing out a little bit, maybe. Yeah. 
And it's like, you don't get to just be angry and then make angry songs about women and then say that it that it's not autobiographical. Obviously, it's not autobiographical literally, but there's a reason you're making yeah, these songs. Yeah, it's like maybe not auto- autobiographically emotionally, but maybe emotion. Not, no, sorry, not autobiographical <laughs> situationally, but maybe emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that stuff. And then my middlest three mm-hmm. were uh, Bob Marley, Slayer, and Alanis. Bob Marley because I really liked his music, but I I often felt like not very well equipped to talk about him. Yeah. Um, but he's towards the top. He, he's at the top of that middlest three because uh, I think- You could just, just say he's number four in your list. I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely the middleest brother. Um, yeah, but just having Carlos on, I think, was a big yeah, was a big deal. That really helped a lot. Yeah, so that that bumped him up there. Slayer for me, uh, my is my number five, and Slayer had some really awesome moments, but mostly were just like, ah, oh, these these guys are tools. Yeah, they kind of are, and like apparently now they're heckling and haranguing their audiences to like support police officers and stuff, like in their concerts. Have you have you heard any of these like no. latest stories and stuff? They're just like I I heard a story recently. I saw a headline about um, Tom Araya like kind of ambiguously coming to the defense of Donald Trump. Yeah, I think just like some of that he's too. our president. Deal with it. <laughs> gotta respect him or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, he's just a tool. They're just also just children, but not in charming ways. Yes, exactly. They're just teenage boys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of boys. <laughs> <laughs> These boys. Just a bunch of boys. And then Alanis was uh, at the bottom of that list of three because oh my god you're gonna make our listeners do so much math and work so hard to visualize this (laughs) fine if the number yeah yeah so she's she's number six because uh so towards the bottom just because it was just so sad and not in a very powerful way yeah she started off so strong way and then it just got so limp and kind of mushy yeah who who would have thought that her lovely angry album jagged little pill would be followed by um just the just the just the limpest of noodles you know i i kind of have a i have a one i i wonder if for many artists it's hard to create art from a place of peace um and yeah like i feel like i mean you see this a lot in poetry also where like a lot of people write from places of anger or depression and a lot of like, you know, even in terms of like novels and stuff, like a a common complaint in my high school English class is like, all these novels are just super depressing and everyone dies. And (laughs) I think uh, lots of art forms tend to gravitate towards extreme emotions um, because if you just have a mundane daily life full of not so extreme emotions, it can be not super interesting. Um, so all that to say, like when Alanis was peaceful and settled and wasn't expressing extreme emotions, uh, I don't know if she really learned how to create art out of that place or at least satisfying art that is to, to us anyway, (laughs) let let me hedge it as much as I can. Please do. I I think that is important. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then also I feel like, um, you and I are coming from in the grand scheme of things, relatively stable places. We have our demons, but like... Do you really think it's a grand uh, scheme? That's flattering, Cameron. 
There's a grand scheme to make us uh, feel generally okay all of the time, and it's called white supremacy. <laughs> oh, don't forget misogyny and patriarchy, though. <laughs> yeah. It's all in there. Uh, what um, a grand scheme. So all that is to say, like, uh, I think a key to understanding some of these artists is their fan bases relate to them. Yes. And will forgive certain things because they relate to them. Yes. So closely. So ICP is a perfect example. Garf is a little strange. I feel like people turned on Garf because he didn't pander enough at, uh, at sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I also wonder... I think they could smell that he wasn't quite sincere. Yeah. I, I, I also wonder like how um, like actually attached people were to him and like actually loved him, you know? Like, because he was such a, a marketing person and was so uh, adept at creating singles and like selling albums and stuff that yeah, he, he never really felt like super authentic. And the more authentic he got, uh, the less people seemed to like him. <laughs> And I just, I just wonder, like, were people devoted to him, like, in the early to mid '90s? Yeah, I don't know. Because people are definitely devoted to, well, I mean, ICP, of course, but Bob Marley or Alanis or Slayer, even, yes, or MCR definitely have like diehard devoted fans, right? And yeah, I think it's because there are really specific cultural things that are being offered and there's specific art being made regardless of the quality that people that relates to people like Alanis like I think people well obviously really like her angry album although I think that's because I mean I'm not an angry person and I fucking love that album yeah um but uh I think her if the people who held on I wouldn't be surprised if they're just kind of like weepy people (laughs) (laughs) oh ouch Oh boy! Yeah, or or like maybe sentimental people. Yeah, or, or maybe her music. Uh, they listen to it during a time in their life when they needed that specifically. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right. Well, we've we've spent about thirty five minutes answering this one question. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> so let me just run through my list real quick in order from top to bottom. It's very similar to Cameron's list. Uh, there's just a, two artists that are uh, in different orders. We've got ICP. ABBA and Bob Marley. That's my top three, as I mentioned already. Garf just barely didn't make the top three. He's number four. Um, Although after hearing what you said about him, I might edge him up higher. Then Alanis, Slayer, T-Pain, My Chemical Romance, and Smash Mouth dead last, as in your list. And thank God Cameron convinced us to listen to all of Smash Mouth's albums. Uh, It wasn't even that many, was it? Wasn't it? It Wasn't it like like four? Four or five. Yeah, it wasn't that many, but it sure as hell felt like a very long slog. Yeah, it's funny that those those bottom three, I feel like those were our shortest seasons, too. Not, well, not T. Was T-Pain that? How long was T-Pain? T-Pain's definitely single digits. Oh, yeah. Alanis was short as well. Oh, I guess we got into like some of T-Pain's EPs, though. Yeah, I think T-Pain may have been like seven or eight. MCR and Smash Mouth were four albums each. Smash Mouth was only four? Damn, it felt I think like it so was. much more. <laughs> Maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> T-Pain has six albums, though I think we threw in two or three mixtapes. So, yeah. yeah. Well, shall shall we... I. It's kind of nice to know that we basically agree on this. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're, we feel I mean, pretty we're the two. We're the hashtag two friends. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking it from them. We're no. stealing the hashtag. We're stealing the that hashtag. Does, that does not bode well for us. <laughs> 
Cameron, see, um, here, the, the, the idea is to, to gin up a bunch of controversy and uh, get our names out there. And uh, 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 all press is good press. Um, and so we'll get a bunch of downloads if we, if we get um, Blank Check Podcast uh, suing us. For stealing their hashtags. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Their copyrighted hashtags. Uh, so someone uh, on, the, on the Discord. Again, that's the username. Uh, at someone. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. At someone. <laughs> Yeah, recommended that we listen to the song And We Danced by Dark Lotus. Yeah. I'm going to play a little sample of this. Yeah, yeah. This is the worst chorus. <laughs> yeah, the chorus isn't great. The rest of the song's pretty good, though. I, I enjoyed it. It's, um... <laughs> I mean, I'm glad to hear something from the Dark Lotus because we listen to so much ICP, um, but we never, I don't think we ever listened, maybe we listened to like one Dark Lotus song or something. I forget how much we engage with them, but it wasn't much. Um, and it's basically a zombie slide, sort of headless boogie graveyard monster mash dance song. But it's, it's about having sex with dead women who are animate. Well, also dancing. They're, they're dancing too. It was a dark and stormy yeah, night. Yeah, but the verses are are just about having sex, and then the chorus is just how inscrutable Jay is that they danced. That's. I mean, I can't believe we danced, and I don't even dance. Well, at least two of the verses end with "and we danced." Um, <laughs> it's just and, a little. And Jamie Jamie Madrox's verse is not about having sex. It's more about like grinding and tango and uh, making out. Oh yeah, you you're know? right. Yeah, it's not a, about actual sex. Uh, though he does say she might my- be dead. Can we just do content warning because we're talking about ICP right now? Yes, this is v- very much like content a, warning everything. A Baudelaire style carnivalesque, like Les Fleurs du Mal, um, which we get into in the first couple episodes of ICP uh, pretty extensively. Uh, if if people want to go back and uh, check that out, but uh, yeah, B- Baudelaire back in the oh fuck the early 1800s, I want to say he he wrote some pretty raunchy poems called Les Fleurs du Mal, the Flowers of Evil including this one poem, which has definitely uh, made an impression on me where he talks about how much he wants to like cut a hole in the side of his lover who I forget if she's dead or not, but either way he wants to fuck the hole that he cuts into her side. Nice. Um, So nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. (laughs) So content warning for those poems and for this song. Uh, What are there like six verses in this? It's a kind of a long song. It is. Yeah. There's only like (laughs) one or two chorus choruses though yeah um i got uh violin j's whole last verse oh no that that's the I, besides the chorus that's the least good part of the song <laughs> it's oh, the funniest no. part of the song okay i was lonely i had no one might as well do masturbation i'll jack off while shaggy smooches i'm watching him from the bushes had my pants down my mind the grass i felt something poking my ass it's another Look at me, I'm naked early. She came all dirty and mangled. Hmm. She had no feet, skin just tangled. We went behind a tombstone and I said, Your boobies may I hold <laughs> <laughs> yep. sweater. They were blue and stuck together. Gently I peeled them apart and a skin ripped open. You could see her heart and we danced. Yeah. So I mean but let's That's let's, storytelling right there. Well, I guess. 
Let's set up the song. It was a dark and stormy night when five children of the Lotus crept into a local cemetery. Their intentions were nothing more than to smoke marijuana leaves and drink alcoholic beverages. But these five young boys, here we go, boys again, were soon joined by some very unlikely company. In fact, for the children of the Lotus, this was some company that they could only dream of. I'm talking about the dead, not just any dead. I'm talking about they were joined by five ravishing, beautiful, lovely dead women who opened up to these boys and gave them their all. They sure did. They surely did. And they danced. And they danced. And that's all that happened. (laughs) Um, Oh, as a side note, uh, there was a, uh, if anyone likes the podcast, The Omnibus, which features Ken Jennings and John Roderick, they had a recent episode about Juggalos, which was uh, very interesting to hear, pretty informative, and uh, it's from mostly sympathetic outsiders. John Roderick seems to respect the Juggalos more than a lot of, probably a lot of, you know, people do. And I like that. Yeah, I think you may have, is that a recent episode? Or did you mention that? It came out in the last couple weeks. It's pretty recent. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, he's, he has talked about Juggalos in the past. And I think I've, I've, uh, you know, summarized or retold his story about like a juggalo on a panel of music conference or something. I think I've told that, like retold that story, but this is the first time they've done an episode about juggalos. Wasn't that, didn't that have something to do with, uh, uh, an audience member accusing the juggalo of being misogynistic or ICP music being misogynistic? Yeah. Misogynistic and like violent and stuff. And then the, um, I think his name was Matt the dragon something like that uh was the name of the juggalo on the panel and he said like yeah you know um a lot of the people that are drawn to this music um they grew up in very like violent situations and in like really bad uh circumstances and are poor and surrounded by crime and poverty and stuff and these kinds of lyrics draw them in and then they are part of the family and they don't have to like express the violence anymore and they can like express love and right. community. And right. uh, John Roderick really appreciated that, even as I think a lot of the people were not <clears throat> super into what the juggler was saying. Yes. I mean, I, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, you know. There are good people on both sides. <laughs> Damn it. I was, <laughs> I was considering whether I should say that or not, and then you just went for it. So There actually are. Congratulations. This, yeah. yeah. Um, I got, oh, uh, man, I miss Shaggy. His, his, his first opening lines are, damn, was there something special in that? When I swallowed it down, I kind of pushed my wig back. Because he's bald. He's bald. Oh, man. He's always talking about his he, wig getting pushed back. Yeah, he wears wigs in the ICP movies. Yes, he does. And they're always insane. They're, <laughs> they're insane <laughs> clown <the> wigs. wigs. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, shall we, shall we move on? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's next? Is it? It's another question. Oh well, yeah, there we go. Yeah, how about you do the next question? The next question Not comes from Albin, uh, asking about Garf, our, our resident Swede. Our resident Swede, the RS. Uh, Albin asks. Also, have you gotten a hold of his new album yet? Uh, stick out tongue face. Um, no, we have not. <laughs> and camera is wait. Is this is, are these your notes? Because they're sorry, sorry, that's me. Oh, yeah. those are your notes. You want to read your notes or summarize them or? Yeah. So I remember. <laughs> When we first started covering Garth Brooks, I had this plan of going on Facebook and joining all of the Garth Brooks forums. Oh, man. That that was back that when I we tried. Find. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> when we, like, put effort and time into this Before show and, like, yeah. Uh, and 
yeah, I wanted to get the word out. And then it was just a wasteland. Like there, there were like three groups that basically no one ever posted in ever. People are just like pretty ambivalent about, about Garth Brooks on the internet. Yeah. I and then I remember all of the, uh, all of the like album reviews that you would read because uh, you had a a bit called the Amazon. Yep. Where uh, and they were all just about how the CDs wouldn't work. Yeah, stuff. they got scratched in the mail or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. So the, the, the Garth Brooks fandom is just a lot of technology immigrants <laughs> <laughs> and like just people who do not know how to internet at all. Yes, exactly. And and also. His internet presence is weird, like his official internet presence. We know that there's an album coming up, and I looked on Supposedly. his website, and there's like, there's nothing on there about that. Mm, yeah, all, all we have is like articles from iHeartRadio or Country FanCast or, you know, various other media outlets saying that Garth has announced a new album, but uh, nothing is there to be had. Yeah, um, it's really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, I kind of don't blame him. Like, if, if I were in his position... And I had been, you know, making millions and millions of dollars. Um, I might go into semi-retirement too and not like, you know, not feel like I had to fucking post on Twitter all the time or whatever the fuck. And it's, Absolutely. And, and he's just like going around to these massive football stadiums and playing sold out shows. Here's one where he sold over 140,000 tickets at uh, Minneapolis. It's like, man, yeah. if I were in a situation, I'd probably be doing the same thing. Like, just going around, having a good time, like, filling these huge stadiums and just, like, playing some music and not really, like, going or, like thinking I had to bust my ass, you know? Because he's already he's yeah, I mean, selling tickets already. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not in his position and we're not even updating our Twitter anymore. So. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, our internet presence is, <laughs> who are, who is pretty we spotty also. <laughs> we don't have a Facebook group. We don't update our Twitter anymore. We just, like, half-heartedly yeah. said, everyone just go to the fucking Discord or whatever. I don't know. So Go to our intranet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I mean, well, Alvin also suggested uh, listening to Garth Brooks's cover of Hard Luck Woman by Kiss like from the Kiss. compilation album Kiss My Ass. It's a bunch of different Kiss covers. Yeah. So you want to listen to the, the original version first? By yeah. Gotcha. Here we go. Hard Luck Woman by Kiss. <laughs> I like that. I like that bit a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Never know. I keep telling you hard luck. So this was apparently written by Paul Stanley as a possible track for Rod Stewart, uh, but then Kiss, or yeah, sorry, I sorry, I that. mispronounced it, but then decided to keep it for themselves as a follow-up. <laughs> uh, and it was apparently inspired by Rod Stewart, uh, which you can totally hear. It sounds very much like a Rod Stewart song. Ah, Rod Stewart, a sailor's only daughter. Rod Stewart, a child of the water, too proud to be a queen. I can, Wait, is I that about him? Is he a child of the water? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> huh. Um, that moist man. Oh, Rod he's, Stewart. He's 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 oof. moist boy. All right, let's listen to the Garf version. Yeah.
So I this mean, is, this is very much a Chris Gaines kind of. That's delivery. exactly what I was gonna say. I I, I was gonna say it's the pre-Gaines Chris Gaines. Yeah. Yeah. He's. I mean, this is. It came out in what '94. This cover of of his. So it's it it predates Gaines by five years, but it it really shows how much that Garth Brooks loves rock and roll and uh, wants to perform it. He very much does. Cameron, I think you could say that one could blame it all on his roots. Uh, but his roots aren't rock and roll. Well, some of them are, aren't they? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So his roots are family music time, where he played the banjo. Did he really? Didn't he say that in in the Wikipedia? I forget. Did, didn't, didn't it say that he played the banjo at family music time? Maybe. Maybe he just played it like uh, Mumford and Son style, which is to say, in the most basic way possible. Yeah, basic with a capital B. Basic with a capital I. <laughs> Uh, with a capital <laughs> one <laughs> that is to say so i have some sound samples from this yep. uh do you think let's play the 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 recurring bit on our show uke or mando ah yes let's i i'm pretty sure that we've done this on the show before It's hard. I mean, the sample you chose, it's like hard panned left and it's kind of buried in the mix in that part. Um, I feel like it's hard to hear in the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, but when it gets higher pitched, like the the part you just you just had us listen to was sounded like sort of chord chopping. Um, and there are parts where it gets higher pitched and does a little bit more of like a melody lick. Oh, um, I don't remember that. Yeah. Do you think it's a Mando then? I think so. Yeah. Uh, although there were points where I was like, is this maybe a 12 string guitar? Um, oh. But the kind of the kind of chop sound that we just heard in that sound sample made it sound like a mandolin. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it is a mandolin. So for people uh, who may not be aware of how a 12 string guitar or a mandolin set up, are, is set up uh, on a 12 string guitar the I believe it's the bottom four strings are all they all have octave doubled strings that it, are it depends so, there, are there are some there are some versions that have an octave G and some versions that have a unison G right I think the the octave G is more common on an electric guitar because they in general have uh, lighter strings like gotcha. the strings are not as thick. And so, uh, and you don't tend to like hit them as hard. And so right. you don't break an octave G quite as readily. Right. So, and then the, uh, the top three strings or two strings, depending are unison, meaning the same in the same octave. And that can give it a sound, especially when played high, that can give it a sound that's similar to a mandolin because mandolins have doubled strings. And I'm not entirely sure what the purpose is other than volume, except... It's basically volume. Except um, someone pointed out to me recently that when when you play a mandolin, you don't have to worry about muting the note that you just played because the... Uh, if you hit a string going down, if you hit the the course, I, I believe it's what it's called when they when they're two yes. strings together. When or you more. hit the course going down, it gets it gets uh, there's an overlap effect. So if you if you play one string back and forth a bunch, you're not muting the string in order to hit it because there's like a millisecond or like a nanosecond where both strings are going at the same time, where where at least. At least one string is going at all times. Does that make sense? Um, I don't know. So but... if you have a, if you have a guitar <laughs> if you have a regular guitar and you go down up down up down up down up on one string, 
there's always going to be a moment where you're muting the guitar because like when the pick the when the pick hits it it's when the muting pick hits it? it yeah oh but that isn't the case on a mandolin because it's probably why mandolins it's it's probably re- or one of the reasons why mandolins are um, better suited for things like tremolo yeah. which is when you take a pick well so electric guitars came along and, and muddied the issue because they misused the term tremolo but what tremolo actually means is when you uh take like a pick for instance and uh strike it back and forth across the strings really rapidly and it sort of in a, in an arrhythmic sort of way exactly yeah yeah and it to produces create the like the illusion of one tone yeah it essentially like makes like a sustaining uh if, if you imagine like probably the the thing people may be most familiar with is like the godfather theme song it has a mandolin that has a lot of uh, tremolo on it there's a little bit of tremolo in the uh curb your enthusiasm theme hmm trying to okay yeah boom that one i feel like i'm looking at larry david right now um anyway (laughs) transported to that (laughs) i'm transported wonderful image so uh anything else to say about this song uh do i we gotta speed up i think a little bit if we want to make it through okay okay let's just let's play the drum fill from kiss's version and then the drum fill from garth brooks's version kiss did the most underwhelming drum fill ever i think it's because the drummer is singing um so the drum fill is like dumb but then garth brooks just also does it at a similar (laughs) the same one yeah okay here we go (laughs) (laughs) okay yep all right let's hear garth's version you'll be a hard-loving woman baby till you find your man Mm-hmm. It's like it kind of like slows down. It's <laughs> it's so weird and bad. It's like yep. uh, the, who taught these people how to do a drum fill? You're supposed to do different drums going down. Mm-hmm. Like let's just stay on the floor tom. I'm just really feeling this floor tom right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to the next uh, pair of questions. Here we go. Ian asks, do either of you guys still listen to any of the music that has been covered on the show for personal enjoyment? Furthermore, have any seasons of the show opened up, opened you up to new genres you've since explored more? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I mostly listen to a selection of songs from ICP and ABBA are probably the ones I listen to the most. Um, I do. I definitely have some fondness for Garth songs that I didn't have before, like Friends in Low Places is a great karaoke song, for instance. Yes. Um, although my friend Robert uh, is the real one who introduced me to that. Um, and as far as genres, I haven't so far actually pursued these genres, but I'm really interested in getting a little bit more into reggae and ska and uh, right. maybe a little bit of metal. I'm kind of curious about mm. like Def Leppard or some of those other like classic metal bands. Uh, what inspired you to get into metal? Uh, mostly just like my total unfamiliarity with it. Yeah. Not necessarily like Slayer convincing me that this is a great genre that I should start listening to a lot, but right. th- mostly just like the idea that there are so many people who uh, are so compelled by this music and I have so little experience with it. Right. So yeah, I haven't, I've gone back. What's that one song that ICP did that I thought was just so cool. I wish I should. Is it Hocus this. Pocus? What? 
Is it Hocus Pocus? No, I like that one pretty well, but I've gone back to listen to this one song specifically. By Mighty ICP. Death Pop? That's the one. Yeah, it's like the I, disco and stuff. I go back and listen to that every once in a while, and I like it Yeah, that song rules. That's one of the ones I go back and listen to also. Yeah, that's just like the height of their... They know that they're silly and they're having fun, but they also like kind of have something they want to talk about. And they're like making light of death in a way that's um, not trying to shock you. And they're and just talking the, about getting like kicked in the nuts and stuff. And it's yeah, fun. <laughs> yeah. And the producer they're working with is like firing on all cylinders, and it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Ian also had another question. How much would you say is edited out of an average episode? Is it mainly raw with lots of jokes about editing things out or will you actually cut sections of the discussion? I can answer for the early days of the show because that's back when I was editing. Um, I started off editing quite a bit out. Uh, we had more long, long tangents with nothing of value, especially on my end, uh, where I would just go off and just ramble about boring bullshit. Um, but as we kept going and we started to learn to be better about making the show, I had to edit out less and less stuff until uh, about the time that I handed off editing duties to Cameron. I wasn't editing very much out at all. Yeah, um, I don't really edit that much out either. I think we've gotten pretty good at if we do a tangent, having it not be too awful or maybe actually specifically being good, a good worthwhile tangent. Yeah. So, yeah, I edit out. Well, something that does happen, and I know it's happened when you edited, and it's definitely happened a few times when I've edited, is uh, one of us will say something kind of problematic. Yes. <laughs> like, it does I've definitely happen. done that. It does, yeah. <laughs> we try not to, but hey, we're a couple of white, you know, cis uh, more or less straight dudes that are trying their best, but, uh, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) there is a certain pressure to fill space and this is why I've always (laughs) been, this, I think this (laughs) is seriously like why improv is scary to me is because I have this fear that (laughs) If I, if someone like opened up my head and skimmed the surface, that all like the worst things would come out. Like this fear <laughs> you know that I cream deeply... rises to the top. Yeah, the cream. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Like uh, I would just become a monster. So, like a you know, Frankenstein. There, there's a small part of me that kind of that can kind of. <laughs> I might cut this out. There's a small part of me that <laughs> that can kind of appreciate. Great. When comedians are talking about uh, when they're complaining about how hard it is to make comedy in the age of political correctness, um, even though I don't appreciate their attitude about it, and I feel like it's kind of rooted in entitlement and judgment that's like mm-hmm. not earned. Um, I do understand it is hard to be funny, just period, and it's hard to be funny in a way that, like, if you're being funny in a boundary pushing way, that's even harder. That's true. I mean, I th- I think it's harder to pull it off. I think there are a couple principles that will get you most of the way there, including the principle of not punching down, of using comedy to, like, uh, if it is attacking something, to attack the power and uh, the power structures and the people who have privilege. Um, But it does get a little bit more difficult with things like, you know, wordplay. There's this one podcast I listened, one podcast I listened to uh, on several shows where he will often make a very similar joke about like someone will say, oh, this was like, I got the black iPhone and he'll like quietly say like, oh, African-American iPhone. Right. And he's, he's doing it as, as wordplay and like just being silly. But I feel like that kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit because I don't know, like 
I, I tend to not try to uh, use wordplay for sensitive situations or oppressed groups. You know? Yeah. Where it's, it, I mean, that's clearly not what the joke is. It's definitely not punching down, but there are ways it could be interpreted as, as uh, being less than sensitive. Right. The, and, the, the most generous way of, the most generous take on that joke would be this person is uh, doing a pastiche of a person who is trying really hard to be politically correct, but profoundly doesn't understand how to how to do it. Right. Um, yeah. In in a very white way. Right. Um, and is correcting people like out of, like when they shouldn't be. Yes. But that's also a pretty hacky joke, and it doesn't actually. <laughs> It just I mean, comes I think across the, as being sort of flippant. I think the hackiness is part of the joke. It's it's like a couple right. levels deep. Yeah. But and that that's the thing is like a lot of the humor that I find funny and that I try to engage in is very absurdist or like intentionally hacky or intentionally stupid. Yeah. And it's it's hard because you definitely want to try to not uh I mean you want to avoid the appearance of punching down with your jokes. Yeah. Um, um, Should we move on to the next song suggested yes. by Chris Stableford, who yes, uh, yes, 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 is yes, a yes, fan yes, of yes. old time music, and I think I think she came to get up in the cool because I had she runs this music camp called Earful of Fiddle. If anybody's in. Oh, I've heard of that. If anybody's in the Michigan area, you should go to Earful of Fiddle. It's an awesome, if you're interested in studying traditional music and dance. Uh, It's really cool. I worked there last year and she heard about Get Up in the Cool, my old time music podcast, because I had some of her staff on it. And then I Mm. think she got into Think Outside the Box set from there. And so she's been, every once in a while, she'll send me a text of like a video where she's at a bar and Garth Brooks is playing or, or things Aww, like that. Yeah. That's really great. Nice. I like that. So, Hi, Chris. She's You're suggested cool. What's Up by Four Non Blondes. And here we go. This song, I in, in my notes, I have like three pretty major tangents um, <laughs> in my discussion of this song. <laughs> That's the, all the notes I took on it. Um, I think let's start with the uh, the music video um, because oh, yeah. I generally don't watch music videos for for music we listen to on the, on this show. Um, but for this one, we had YouTube links to work from, and uh, damn, this takes me back. It's so fucking nineties. It's a the lot leads, of look. It's a lot, a lot. It's, it's there's some big mood, some big nineties energy, big top hat uh, energy. <laughs> yeah, right. Linda Perry, who's the lead singer for Non Blondes, uh, has a weird floppy. It's not even like a top hat. It's like a um. It's like a, almost like a, uh, what is that? Like a, uh, it's, like a, a, it's not like a jester hat, but it's like, it's like a ringleader hat. Yeah. Something like that. But it's like it's very circus. Yeah. Uh, but it has goggles on it too, which is so nineties. And, uh, apparently like in, in that same outfit, she appears to be wearing like kissy print boxer shorts. Yes. Like under a long shawl or coat or something. Um, did you say yet that she has dreads? I did not say that. I did not mention that yet. 
but which yes. I mean, she she presents white. Yes, but um, this will sort of lead into my next tangent a little bit. She, uh, her parents were Brazilian and Portuguese American. Okay, and many Brazilians have some, if not a lot, of African ancestry. So I think it's a little bit up in the air to what extent uh, <laughs> that we, Cameron, you and I, the the po- <laughs> the police of good taste and appropriation, uh, I, I, it's, I think it's a little bit up in the air how much of a pass we can give her on this one. Uh, Fair. Yeah. I, I think it's a little bit muddier than just saying, oh, white people appropriating dreads. Um, but, but, but she does uh, have ski goggles on, and that's appropriating s- ski culture. <laughs> Yeah, that's appropriating my white culture. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, she her one of her parents is Brazilian. And one of the first things I noticed pulling up this video is she's got a very weird shaped guitar. Did you notice that? I did it's got, notice like, that this the guitar sort was of, weird. It's got this odd like dolphin or lute shape thing. Um, and I was like, wait a minute. That's the same kind of guitar that Jimmy or not uh, Jimmy Page played in Led Zeppelin. Uh, off and on and i was like oh i've i've seen this before and i looked it up and it's called apparently a craviola and it is it was designed by uh the guitarist paulinho noguera who is a brazilian guitarist and it was built by the manufacturer giannini uh, in Brazil. And uh, Wikipedia says, Craviolas have a distinct asymmetric body shape that deviates from the upper and lower bouts of classical guitars. Its timbre is said to res- resemble a combination of sounds from a harpsichord and a viola caipira, hence the portmanteau. Mm. Cravo is the Portuguese word for I feel like that gets lost in the mix in whatever yeah, 90s she's, bullshit they're doing. To- yeah, she's like strumming it really hard so you don't really hear the tone that much. And she has like a big pickup in the sound hole. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I don't know if you're going to really hear the tone difference between that and any other kind of acoustic guitar. Um, so yeah, that, that was the, the second of the large tangents that I have. How many tangents do you have? I said three. You uh, have one the, more? The other one, I've got one more. The okay. way she sings is so affected. It's a very affected vocal style. Um, oh yeah, I think I have a sound sample of that. Yeah, let's take a take a listen if I can figure out which one it is. It's, it's the one that says, this are singing choices. Yeah. <laughs> Great grammar. <Can> I try? <laughs> She clearly can sing really well uh, and like knows what she's doing with her voice. And she definitely makes, uh, as Cameron says, this are choices. She definitely makes some choices about singing. And um, I, I kind of have this like half formed theory that it's distinctive vocalists that are the most commercially successful. Hmm. Like, um, like ones that are instantly recognizable uh, upon hearing them. You're like, oh, this is that person. Uh, and this this may be less true than it was back in the 90s and maybe the aughts. Um, but yeah, there was a, there's been so much like affected singing from that time period. Um, yeah, there's there's something there's something to be said for the dangers of ignorability. Yeah, um, and and often good singing can be ignorable. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like people like Tom Petty has a very distinctive voice. And uh, let's see who, uh, I mean, Pri- like the Les Claypool of Primus. And uh, sure. <laughs> not that they're that successful. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on some examples. But yeah, I feel like something about the distinctive vocals is, I mean, that, that's probably why this song was a hit. I mean, Alanis like, had dis- distinctive vocals. Oh, yeah, totally. She's coming from a similar era. Yeah. And, and it, it almost reminds me of like, 
sometimes when you get into a relationship, you find certain like quirks about people very charming at first, but then the more experience you have uh, seeing those quirks in action, the less you like them and the more they start to grate on you. And I feel like some of, some of these uh, uh, distinctive vocalists might have a similar uh, like sort of arc where it's like, oh yeah, it's like, it kind of like catches your ear and, and like gets stuck in your head. And it's like, it immediately presents itself as very uh, distinctive and unignorable. But maybe if you listen to the song a thousand times, you would get very sick of it and just like yeah. scream, why can't you sing normal? <laughs> I mean, all that aside, this is a, this is a good song. I do like it. Uh, yeah, is this just a, okay, so first of all, I feel like the title is a bit obtuse because they don't say, I don't think they say what's up at all, do they? They just say what's going on. What's up, Houston? What's up? What's up, Houston? What's up, Houston? Jump on it. Jump on it. Uh, what if this, (laughs) what if this song was just a dance imperative? (laughs) Um, Hmm. I don't know. I don't think it would catch on quite as well. So this well, is just I mean, like a, a song about it's kind life of bo- and a, a being kind of bewildered. It's kind of a um, sort of boilerplate '90s angst is maybe how I might describe it. Where it's like, okay. uh, you know, society, man. It, it's like being in the society is like you're in an institution. She does use that word at some point. She I says, think we this can all agree that society is rough, which is, <laughs> it, it makes me feel like I, yeah, th- this kind of talking about society, I feel like is not in vogue anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was huge in the nineties and it is not so popular anymore. I, um, I know that I feel specifically annoyed when I watch, um, generation X and boomers. Like when I watch them, like, uh, post on social media about how much you know trump is a dum-dum or whatever and how much glee i feel like they get out of it and i'm just i feel like everyone in my generation and younger is just like this isn't funny mm-hmm. <laughs> like this isn't fun but we're not enjoying this angst we wish we weren't being angsty yeah exactly we wish <laughs> yeah <There's, laughs> it's not indulgent we're trying to ignore it. As, as a side note, uh, Felix uh, Biderman, who apparently is one of the co-hosts of Chapo Trap House, which I do not listen to, um, wrote a review of the Joker movie. Uh, oh, and it was posted yeah, that today just came out, huh? On Deadspin. Yeah, and it is a very good um, review that uh, uses the concept of society in a very funny way. Um so uh, let me just read a few excerpts of the way he uses society because apparently I haven't had enough of tangents. Uh, one night Fleck, who's the name of the Joker, is on the subway reflecting on his long day of being in society. And he sees a group of Wall Street pricks aggressively hit on then harass a woman in his train car. One thing leads to another and our protagonist shoots them dead to the last man in one of the film's best scenes. From there, Fleck decides to show who society... Sorry, sorry. From there, Fleck decides to show society who's living in who. <laughs> And then when he goes when he goes on the big talk <laughs> show, uh, says that he goes all the way in on society. And then Felix writes, before this scene, I would actually fantasize about being society because people would never notice my hypocrisy. Trust me, I do not have that wish anymore. <laughs> it's an extremely good review uh, oh, that I highly recommend. Uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. We, sh- we sure will. <laughs> <laughs> we will <laughs> okay uh um, sorry for all those tangents yeah but before we move on 
Chris also messaged me and said, speaking of four non-blondes, if you want to hear an interview with someone with no lack of self-esteem, listen to the Broken Record podcast episode featuring Linda Perry and then an eye roll emoji. So, ah, shade. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to the next thing? Yes. Uh, we got a, we got a question. You want to read the question? Yes. I've got it in front of me if you, if you want me to get to it, unless you're Eric Schweitzer. Okay. Um, who I, uh, who I've is an old time musician who I met, I believe at the Oli old time festival back in February. And then I've hung out with here and there since he said, so I understand that you pick artists that are potentially misunderstood to review, right? Are there any artists who you would like to cover not with that pretense, but just because you really like their work in evolution as musicians? Do you have an answer for this? I do. I, I think the, the, the stuff that would interest me most as an answer to this question would be people who change a lot. Um, I would think that like someone like Stevie wonder would be really interesting who starts off like very Motown and then gets into like synth, like clavichord stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, here, this is a little bit more obscure, but the Not Twist, the band from Germany, apparently started as like kind of a uh, rock, hard rock, maybe like uh, maybe like hardcore band, and then they eventually become like kind of quiet kraut rock bleepity bloops. Hmm. Um, and then I guess the Pixies, um, because I used to listen to them quite a bit back in high school and a little bit of college, and I hear their latest stuff is not so good. So it's kind of a little bit of a fall from grace. Maybe I'd, I'd actually be pretty interested in covering Stevie Wonder too, because I want to figure out why I like his music so much. And e- e- even though so many times I feel like his lyrics are kind of bad and I, I feel like mm. maybe willfully bad. Interesting. <laughs> or at least really corny, which doesn't always mean bad, but yeah, he's got 23 studio albums. Woo. Yep. First one came out in 1962. Hot That'll damn. be for our final season. <laughs> <laughs> and it will take half of one year. Yeah, one of us will die. <laughs> no, no spoilers as to which one. <laughs> I'd be interested in covering Randy Newman. I'm hmm. kind of in- <laughs> I'm kind of So going from like his weird like edgy material where he says short people got no reason to live to like ultra sentimental Toy Story years? Yeah. Okay. And I think somewhere in there we'd have to cover, yeah, some of his soundtracks. But I've always really <laughs> liked his music, and I've been int- very interested in his in his cynicism. And I feel like people get him, and they get his cynicism. Ah, yes. I feel like there's a relationship between the cynicism that we hear in songs like Short People um, and the cynicism of his most recent song in Toy Story 4. Have you seen Toy Story 4? I have not. So there's a story, there's a plot in it about, uh, I, I would say it's a subplot, about Forky, who is a very heavy air quotes toy who is brought into existence by uh, the the main human character, who is a kindergartner, I think. And she makes Forky, and she's basically Forky's god. And, and Forky does not want to exist and um, resents his creation. <laughs> So, so, so Forky, that's just like a, like a sanitized version of fucky, right? That's his, like, that's what his name is meant to be. <laughs> yeah. I'm at it. I'm uh, censoring myself for the podcast. It's oh, very yeah. explicit in the movie. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, nice. So in the movie, there <laughs> this is fork a... forks. <laughs> <laughs> you have forky forks. He does not fork. I don't think at all in the movie. Mm. Like no one uses him to eat anything. Oh, so he's an incel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's, there's a montage where he is, they're on a road trip in an RV and he, and he, at every stop and at every opportunity, he's just trying to commit suicide <laughs> and it's all played for laughs. I can relate. And it's, it's, it's really funny. Yeah. We've all been on some bad road trips, right? Yep. And, uh, underneath this montage, it, scoring this montage is the one Randy Newman song. <laughs> other than the You've Got a Friend in Me references in the score. Uh, The new original Randy Newman song, which is I'm Not Gonna Let You Throw Yourself Away. And Mm. specifically, Forky is trying to get into the trash because he (laughs) is trash. Yep, I can relate. (laughs) We've all been there. uh, Yeah, I feel like um, the song is so on the nose that it feels willfully cynical. And in a way that's very interesting to me. Yeah, Randy Newman's in sort of an odd duck, like trying to unwrap the various layers of satire and irony that he's got going. Uh, he, like, for instance, he is one of the uh, <laughs> he is one of those white people who has quote unquote gotten away with using the N word. Oh, interesting. Uh, he has a song called Rednecks from a 1974 album called Good Old Boys, uh, which uses the N-word liberally to satirize uh, racism and uh, ignorant, I, I guess, ignorant Southern racism, which wow. uh, seems a little bit pointed and uh, seems a little bit missing out on like uh, slightly less over Northern racism. Um, right. Yeah, but if, if you like search like Randy Newman N-word, you will get tons of articles saying like, how did Randy Newman get away with using the N-word in a song? <laughs> Uh, I mean, people have, (laughs) people have gotten away with using it for, uh, worse pretenses like Louis CK, uh, talking about how much he wants to use the N word. Um, like that one time when a barista made his coffee real good. Oh yeah. That now Cameron, that's what I call it. Justified (laughs) usage and a, a great reason. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, completely unproblematic. Yeah. Hey, now I'm being ironic. Oh, I'm the next Randy Newman. Look at me. Doody doody do. So I'm. Re- I think Randy Newman's really interesting, and I I would be down with like. I feel like people basically get what's going on with him, but I'm still interested. And his rock opera of Faust, uh, I listened to a lot in high school. Yeah, I mean, uh, he should have collaborated really with. Uh, he should have collaborated with Tracy Chapman and called it Faust Car. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I'm going to say today. Maybe. So I, <laughs> we'll I see. Think we, I think we have to wrap up. I'm sorry we haven't answered everyone's questions. I mean, maybe Do we need to make we this can, a two-parter? Maybe we should make it a two-parter. Let's just make and, it a fucking two-parter. It's our 100th episode. It can also be yeah. our 101th. <laughs> that's how you say that, right? I don't think I've ever said 101st before. Well, but that's now you how have. you would say it. Now, there's right. evidence of you saying it now for the first time. So I think we should. I think we should close not um, not with a song, but with Carl Eric's question. Oh God, oh God. Carl also, Eric. Uh, hey, this is hey Carl Eric. Is, hey Carl, uh, old friend. Old Carl friend. Eric. Hey Tangent. buddy, how's it going? 
who lives on the same coast as me now and i should yeah. probably we should hang out because i'm coming he, up to the seattle area soon oh yeah is he still up in one of those e-towns up there i think he is yeah yeah i can never tell everett or edmonds apart it's one of those probably carl eric tangent asks which are your favorite exclamation points in the catalog of shania twain's song titles it's got to be man i feel like a woman right because it's it's got two there's two <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah for this man exclamation mark i feel like a woman exclamation mark which is like it's just like taking the the pun of man i feel like a woman and just like underlining it five times <laughs> and then highlighting it and putting it in italics and bold and then increasing the font size to like 32 it's like really yeah. really drawing attention to it so i i look through all of her songs in her studio albums and there are there are no exclamation points in the song titles of her first or last studio albums. But in the middle three, there are this many. And I'm going to oh, read good. them all yeah. because I think a lot of them are great. Uh, also, a lot of parentheses. And some of them are absolutely inscrutable. Cameron, so, I, I, th- I think we need to come up with a system of uh, notating in auditory form the parentheses and the exclamation marks. How do you think we should do that? Um, start parenthesis, end parenthesis? That's stupid. <laughs> parenthesis? Or I guess you parenthesis. <laughs> do you have I a mean, better idea? Uh, we should make uh, noises. Okay, great. Let's do like a... For like a parenthesis, parenthesis rather, and a <laughs> for a exclamation mark. Okay. 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 Uh, I'll do the first one. If you're not in in it for love, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like a woman. Uh, this is fun. Uh, a side note: There's a song on that album from Come On Over uh, called "Don't Be Stupid." You know I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. <laughs> Man, maybe we okay. should listen to fucking Shania Twain. I, I, mean, I know, even this just is her... why I'm bringing this up, because it, uh, she's the top-selling female country artist of all time. Wow. And I feel like this could be a return to form to the Garth days. Yeah, maybe we should do Shania. Damn. Okay, let's keep reading this whole list. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't. <laughs> now, that's a, a motto that I think I'm going to adopt. <laughs> That's a fucking Nathan Hunt joke. Right it really there. is. It's funny. It's like a Futurama. Am I actually Shania? Gag. After all? After all this time? Uh, next one is, if you want to touch her, ask. Rock this country. Up. From the album Up. <laughs> I'm going to get you good. Nah. This is almost like a conversation. Want to get to know you. That good. That's the weirdest one. <laughs> Let's unpack huh. that one a little bit. It's very undefined what that good means. Parenthetically. Wanna, yeah. Want to get to know you. Yeah. But whenever the title I see, of the song is that good. Yeah. I, whenever I see like a, a title with parentheses, I'm always just like, I, I, I want to disregard the parentheses and just say like the actual title is that good. Well, that's how it's supposed to work. Like good riddance. Yeah. yeah. The be, time yeah, of your yeah. life. Uh, although pe- it, people have definitely played with that format. The Long Winters did for It's a, or sorry, It's a Departure. <laughs> this is fun. I, I like this auditory code we've got. Uh, the next one, the next Shania song title. Kaching. Waiter. Bring me water. That's so aggressive. Jesus. I hope you tipped well. All right. Uh, what a way to be. Sorry. What a way to want to be. <laughs> and, uh, 
This one I think is the funniest one, and it's gonna have some good noises in it. And it this really one might win. I'm not in the mood to say no. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good twist. I'm not in the mood yeah, to say no. Because the parentheses completely like 180s the uh, the first sentence. Uh, and those so, last, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight songs were from the album Up. <laughs> the the soundtrack to to uh, Pixar's Up. <laughs> um so yeah, I bring this up cuz I really want to cover Shania now just after reading this list and finding out that she's sold over 100 million records. And she's only got what, 5 albums? She's the 6th best-selling female artist. Yeah, she's got 5 albums. It could be short and sweet. Yeah. Um I I have a friend uh that I actually really want to get on the show, um Drew Nager who I was listening to a stand-up, uh, a recording of his first stand-up performance, and he was talking about being a um, a gay teenager. And he says the joke. Uh, he's talking about how into Shania Twain he is, and he says the joke really into Shania deep in denial <laughs> <laughs> about being so gay. That's the beginning um, of, a, of a good rap verse, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I think that if not for season 11, we should, uh, for Shania for season 11, I think we should do Shania soon. Yeah, totally. I'm down with that. Doesn't she also do that? Don't impress me much. Uh, I, th- Oh, who's that? Uh, she did. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do Shania. She's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. Although I can't say I, I support her, um, platform of instituting Shania law across America. <laughs> See, <laughs> we got it. It's gold. Just because of that gold. extremely stupid thing that I just said. Uh, yeah, one of my favorite things. Um, my, our friends, our mutual friend Zach, uh, loves to uh, quote some of the more insane uh, Facebook posts that he might see in his extended social circle, including lots of people uh, going off on conspiracy theories about how the secret Muslim uh, Obama wanted to institute Shania law. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, she hates our freedoms. Oh, man. Isn't she Canadian? She really would, wouldn't she? <laughs> I hate our freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She was born Eileen Regina Edwards. Damn. What a posh name. Oh, she came from I Windsor, Ontario, Regina. which that probably... Oh, no, that's a fairly large city, I guess. Okay. Oh, it's, right. oh, it's near Detroit. I get it. Okay. Sh- should we sign off? I guess so. I guess we should. Until well, until next time, when when we finish up our AMA spectacular, hell yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, you're setting me up. Okay, episode yeah. 101. <laughs> 101 or LOL, as we like to say. I've been Nathan Hunt, and what a grand scheme after all. I've been Cameron Dewitt, and and you're trying to remember a callback to <laughs> bring to the sign off. Um, society lives in me. It certainly does. Well, we didn't get to what's in the box weekly, but uh, sorry, sorry about that. That's pretty much my fault. Um, but maybe our spectacular episode sort of makes up for it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Um, and we've so done I, like f- over fifty episodes of what's in the box weekly. That's true. Man, I feel like a woman. Woman, I feel like man. 
Um, I've heard, I don't know if this is actual true real etymology, but I've heard that the use of man as an interjection uh, traces back to the origins of the jazz scene in the 50s. Uh, in which black jazz musicians would address each other as man um, and hipsters sort of like the, the original jazz hipsters sort of jumped on that bandwagon. And the reason they did that is because so many fucking racist white people would call them boy. And so as a way of Interesting. Uh, like striking back against that, they explicitly said man. Hmm. I don't know I if that's that true. It, I have read I that. I thought that I'm pretty sure that's wrong because I think it originated with the jungle book when Mowgli says, yeah, man. Oh, that's probably it. I'm pretty sure it's from that. Cameron, that movie came out in what, 1962? Yeah. Because uh, the stuff I... I, I, I mean, said. I was actually talking about John Favreau's The Jungle Book. Oh, right, right, right. Like okay. So, year, it, so, yeah. And a copy of that went back in time. I was actually 67. It's even older than that. Or even uh, later than that. A copy of Did the, you know that the I'm John- pitching you? To, this is my my spec script right now. Oh, it, That's it goes back in time and influences the jazz scene of the 1950s. It makes perfect yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> oh, man.